This episode of Sluts and Scholars is brought to you by Balesa.co. Balesa is an empowering adult entertainment website for women. Launched just a year ago, Balesa has quickly grown to become a premier destination in porn with millions of women around the world joining the community. So go to Balesa.co to see some steamy videos that prioritize female pleasure, read some of the best erotic fiction on the web, and read some articles that talk about sex, relationships, and female health. Thanks to Balesa.co. Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta. And I'm Simone. And we are joined this week by none other than Bitsy LeBourbon, who is a performance activist. That is, a performer who uses their skills to activate discussion and positive progress in their community at large. Her topics range from drug abuse to bisexual visibility to street harassment and rape culture. She's worked in tons of theaters, organizations, and nonprofits in various mediums. She does modern dance to immersive theater and uses neo-burlesque. Bitsy has been electrifying the minds of anyone willing to recharge their social justice hard drive. After establishing More Than No, a nonprofit dedicated to uplifting and supporting survivors of sexual assault, Bitsy created Cabaret Consensual, which is a live monthly show where survivors of sexual assault and their allies can explore their frustrations and healing through performance in a fun, sex-positive, supportive atmosphere. Bitsy holds a BA from UCLA in theater, and she performs regularly in Los Angeles. Welcome, Bitsy. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. So we actually had the pleasure of meeting your colleague, Jimineka, in the AVNs in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And Ooh, she, she was, was telling so cool. us a little bit about More Than No, but can you tell us in your own words, like, what More Than No is all about? Yeah, so uh, More Than No is kind of... We'll start with the title. Um, So you're familiar with yes means yes Mm -hmm. and no means no and all of that. So uh, no means no was a or is a phrase, I guess, that people have been using to talk about consent um, in sexual situations for a a really long time. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've always found frustrating about that phrase is that a lot of assaults happen when someone can't say no. Right. No means Um, no, but so do do a lot of other things. Yeah, so do a lot of other things. And also, like, um, if you're under, if you're underage, like, it's always no. If you're intoxicated, like, like hor- horrendously intoxicated. Or if there's fear no. or a power yeah, dynamic related fear, to fear. Exactly, exactly. So, or if you have a ball gag in. Yeah, yeah, like, come on, you got to do something else. Um, so I, that was like, that was one of the first things um, that, or that's one of, one of my most important things that I talk about with more than no, um, is is kind of like what is consent and like what are the parts of, the, of consent that like nobody talks about, that like nobody mm. um that that like we haven't even realized. Um, so anyway, like what? Um, I mean, I think it's it's funny because like so many people do do realize like like that there's more than just no means no. But at the same time, that's where you get the stuff like oh well, but what were you wearing or. Oh, but like, were you drinking? Like the victim or blaming. Like the victim blaming the context stuff. building. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, did you say no though? Because if you didn't say no, then but it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah. So, um, so, and anyways, um, I so to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, I am a survivor of assault, and 
I went to college for theater and dance and all of these fun, lovely things. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I'm just, you know, I'm just not that into politics, and I've just never wanted to be a cop. uh, (laughs) Are those the only life options? (laughs) No, 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 you'll hear it. No, what I mean is, like, those were things that I was like, oh, those are people that help sexual assault survivors. Oh, so this was before you went to college. Before, yeah. And I was like— or no, no, this was was right after, actually. Because I got to a boiling point. Like, once I—once I, like— got through my trauma and, like, got through therapy, like, tons of therapy and tons of just, like, ugh, self, self-introspection self and care and, like, mm-hmm. you know, unlearning all the awful stuff that the assaults had caused me or had caused my mind and my heart to think. Um, then I was like, I don't, like, I want to help people that have gone through this. Like, this is awful. Um, but what can I do? I'm not, once again, I'm not a cop. I'm not a judge. I'm not, like, I'm not working in these, like, big, like serious law, serious, yeah. Oh, and I was like, I like know a lot about Meisner, though. <laughs> um, and for people who don't know Meisner, oh, sorry, Meisner was. Is, I know Simone does. Yeah, Simone, you want to take it no, away? No, I don't. No, you don't. I, I do not have a BFA. Uh, <laughs> it was. I mean, I studied linguistics. It's a. It's basically Meisner technique is a theater technique. So it was just like very like woo woo artsy stuff, which is my jam. Uh, so, GM? What's your GM? Jam, sorry. Oh, your jam. I said I said. I just like, like to jam. always ask whenever I don't know a word. You're like, what's that? What's your um, jam? My jam. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, maybe I can help people with my art. And so I started by myself. Like, this was four years ago. I was like, I'll make PSAs. And, like, we made some PSAs. And they were cool, but, like, also they were really hard for people to connect with. So there was just, like, different—what what was it? Like, videos So or it was, like, short—it was short videos, like, short actual, like, public service announcements. Mm-hmm. Because I also realized nobody ever talks about consent. Like, there's no PSAs about sexual assault, really. Mm. There are starting to be now, but at yeah, the time— Yeah, there are now, but not four years at ago. At the time, there were not. Right. But now with with Me Too and all of that, there was, there was, like, nothing. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, there's literally—there's literally, like, PSAs about, like— Dad's being nice, but like there's not PSAs about like sexual assault. I was like, that's wow, weird. That's a really good point. Yeah. It was like I was like, there's PSAs on like everything, on like how to clean your carpet so your kid doesn't get a cold or something, but like there's not on like sexual assault. I was I was like, that's ridiculous. So I started there and then um I I like we tried like a bunch of different things and like I liked it, but I was like, ah, oh, this isn't working. And um and, like, through through that, like, we went from, like, we had, like, four different names. I don't remember. And, like, we were all kind of, like, in the artsy sex educator world. And then finally, um, the, the story that, like, really, like, really solidified kind of what I wanted to do and that I wanted to, like, make this a permanent, like, growing thing was the Steubenville rape trial. Oh. Uh, yeah. So for people who don't know about this and without— too much detail. Steubenville. What do people need to know about that? Steubenville, Ohio, the football team basically gang raped a basically unconscious or actually unconscious, yeah, actually unconscious. high school student, uh, filmed it, tweeted about it, um, and it was fucking horrifying. Yeah, and, and then everyone got, was defending the football team because yeah. the football team was like idolized in the And they only town. got like two years. The yeah. boys only got two years. Yeah. Um, and that was very similar, unfortunately, to what I went through as a teenager. Oh. And so I was just like, Okay, like I'm going to make this a full nonprofit. Like this is not just going to be a little thing. Like I need to like do this. Fuck yeah! And uh, 
Not to totally interrupt your story, but how do you think you went to a place of feeling empowered to do that? Because a lot of people that I know who have experienced sexual assault, you know, it's hard to get out of that maybe victim mentality and yeah. to turn that harm into healing and helping others. Like how, yeah. how did I you think, conceptualize that? I think for me, I was very lucky to have very supportive parents um, who took me to all the therapy and <laughs> all the groups and all of that. Um, I also have a very resilient mother um, who's been through a lot of trauma mm-hmm. and, uh, and really regra- regained her strength and power. Um, so I'm, I don't know if that, if I like learned from her or what, but, um, but she definitely influenced me. And I think I also, I always talk about, uh, Maya Angelou. She's one mm-hmm. of like my favorite, like, like going from like such trauma, like such, such intense, difficult, traumatic life situations mm-hmm. to becoming like this incredible artist and an inspiration for like survivors, sex workers, people of color, women, like so many different things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I she's one of the people that I like look to that I'm like. Yeah. But I I it took me a long time to get there. Like yeah. I was I was in therapy for over I mean I'm still in therapy, but like for over Ooh, a decade. Yeah. Right. Agreed. I was, like, in in therapy for over a decade before I was able to, um, you know— Get to that place. Get to that place. Um, I uh, was—as a child, I was also uh, molested by a family friend. So, like, it was, like, that and then sexual assault as a teen and then sexual assault as as um, a—in college. And so it's just, like— I, I mean, think sadly, that's I don't, thing. I'm sure you maybe talk about this in your shows, but for people listening, like, sadly, the statistics are if it does happen to you one time, it's more likely, it's more to, likely happen to happen again. again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, like, it's mm. very interesting that that is the case. And also, it's, yeah, it's like everyone I talk to that has been, like, has usually been a second time or a third time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if you're <laughs> listening and you don't have a family member that, is supportive like that. Take the advice of, you know, finding a support group, reaching out to us. We can give you some resources. Oh, yeah, we have tons of resources. Um, but finding Oodles a community that does yeah. support you, check out more than no. Um, yeah. Because, um, you know, it's it's important to have that healing circle. Yeah, and I think having the, the parents I had, having, like, the women in my life um, really helped me get to a place, like, once after I got out of UCLA, like, I, I remember just being like, oh, like, this is really important to me. And, like, I, because also I realized my privilege of of having great mental health care mm-hmm. um, yeah. and being like, wow, like, and, and having parents that didn't stigmatize mental health care. Totally. Like, they were like, oh, this happened? Like, let's do therapy. And that they you even know? believed you. Yeah, and that they believed them. me. Exactly. Oh. Um, so, so, yeah, so anyhow, uh then once uh, once a couple years were under my belt of of that and like trying different things, um, I had an idea to do a burlesque show uh, called Cabaret Consensual. Had you done burlesque before? No, I had not. I have been a stripper, uh, so but that's like totally different. But burlesque, I was I was like, well, I have done theater and I have been a stripper, so like, and burlesque seems really cool. But um, basically, <laughs> this is like kind of sad and kind of amazing. Um, well, that's sort of what your organization is, right? right? Okay. <laughs> kind of sad, kind, kind of, of amazing. Kind of sad and kind of that amazing. That should be your slogan. Yeah. Under more than oh, that. oh, my God, that's so perfect. Jiminy would love that. Um, so 
I was like, nobody's listening to listening to me. Like my like the the PSAs were not like they were. People were like, oh, that's cool. Like or it whatever. Just wasn't and like, sticking. And like people were like, gosh, she talks about like sexual assault so much. Like oh my god, like bummer. And I was just like, gosh, like what do I do to like get people to pay attention to me? Um, and titties, t- titties, <laughs> man. You know what people just want to see, no matter what sexuality they are, is like sparkles and titties, like every yeah. time. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like, and somebody had made like a somebody had made a comment about the word um, consensual, having the word sensual in it, and I was like, oh my god, like that's so perfect. And so, uh, so I was like, I'm gonna make a cabaret for sexual assault survivors. And then I was like, that's a horrible idea. Like, I immediately was like, that's insane. Like, that sounds like the most depressing cabaret ever. Um, but I did the first one, and, like, it sold out. Like, we made, we made like, you know, enough money to pay back everything. This was our first one, obviously. But, like, we made enough money to pay back everything, and people were, like, in love with it. And they were like, when's the next one? That's and, amazing. Like, people were, like, happy crying, like, happy tears at the end of the show. Like. Wow. It was it was so weirdly successful, but it also like is one of those like you hear about artists like when they get an idea and they are terrified of it that like they should do it right and, and that's, that like, was that totally for you. yeah I I like thought of it and I was like mad that I thought of it because I was so scared to do it then I knew I wow, had to do it I yeah. was like damn it no, you're like this is what I know I'm supposed <laughs> to do so like I know the, I'm supposed to do this fuck so what was the first show like like what did you do like who was a part of it how did it how did it come together yeah so, what are the number what were the numbers like so the first show so and this is still the show's been we're having our third birthday in May so this was we'll be there. Three, it's it's gonna be so fun. I'm excited. Uh, uh, so we have the same rules as we did before. Um, it's uh, you have to have a piece that ends on a light note. Um, because I mean, think about it. There's a ton of rape survivors in a room together watching a show and drinking alcohol. You don't want to do something that's gonna end real dark. Because <laughs> already the room is already a little it's a little heavy. tense, a little it's heavy. It's not your average burlesque. Yeah, audience. it's not your average titty bar. Like it's, you know, kind of different. So we always say, like, end on a light note. Um, we always say the topics are consent and or body positivity. Um, you do not have to be a survivor to perform. We used to want it to just be, like, when I first started it, I was like, oh, it should be, like, survivors only. But then I realized some survivors don't even know they're survivors yet until they come to the show. Interesting. And I then, think that's so true. Oh, fuck, I just And then, bumps. like, yeah. a week or, like, a month later, they'll email me or they'll, they'll text me or they'll, they'll email Jim and Nika and they'll be like, hey, so I just realized something. And so do you have anyone Are in those the room rules? or on staff that uh, can— be there in case somebody is, you know, having so a hard time. So we basically what we do. And if you need someone, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what we do. You the way the show. We have our therapist on yeah, call. She's in seat A four. We Just- did with the first show. We actually had a security guard. Um, with the first couple of shows, uh, mostly because with with titties and nakedness and whatever. Um, like, we were like, oh, it would be cool just to show that there, like, is somebody of, like, of of comfort in some right. kind of way. I meant more like, of, like, an emotional security. Yeah, no, 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 I know. Yeah. yeah, we didn't have that, mostly because our rules— I'll go back to the rules right, really quick. Yeah. We have—the um, the rules are there's no recounting of rape. 
There's no recounting of trauma at all. So you can't, like, none of the pieces are ever really traumatic because they're, we say, end on a light note, and none of them can recount sexual assault. So because we have that in mind, basically the things that people come to the show with are just really lovely body positivity and yummy sex positivity and yummy consenty things. Um, And, like— some people who are not survivors come to the show and they'll be like, well, I didn't learn anything about consent or, like, surviving. And I'm like, this is not for you. <laughs> this is not for you and I don't care. <laughs> like, it's just so dumb. Like, someone actually said that, like, two shows ago to somebody else. Like, like I my... wasn't entertained enough by the assault survivors. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Show like, me more of your trauma, please. Yeah, like, but there I is a thing, there is anything. a thing about trauma porn, like, where we love oh, yeah. to know the nitty-gritty details yeah, of, like, like the car people's accident. assault. Yeah, oh, or yeah. Assault. Some people are totally And I think that, that even comes down to, like, the what were you wearing? Like, yeah, it's uh, no, yeah, and like, and we definitely are not here for that. I mean, it, you know, I, I won't judge other people's jams, but like, the, the show is like specifically so someone who was assaulted literally last week can come and feel comfortable. Like, wow. that's like the space that we try to make. So, what do people do? What kind of um, yeah, give yeah, us some examples? So, so, the first show we had a pole dancer. Um, we had who did this like really sexy, sensual thing in this like red outfit, and she's like an amazing pole dancer. Um, we had a stand-up comedian uh, do. Uh, he did. He did like a whole set about being like a Mexican guy in LA and like So his, it's really like any kind of performance art. Well, what's funny, it, yeah, yeah, we've had singers, we've had stand-ups, we've had storytellers. Like my main thing is you can come up and like read a the back of a cereal box and like as long as you end on a high note and are not like recounting rape recounting on the back rape. of the box. Like box. I'm here for you. Like we have a lot of uh we have a lot of newbies of different kinds come. So like First-time drag performers, first-time uh, burlesque performers, first-time stand-ups, like, because it's such a warm and positive atmosphere. Um, but, yeah, and we never ask if people are survivors or not. You're welcome. Like, a lot of—everyone tailors their piece somehow. Like, for example, the the stand-up who was talking about being a Mexican guy, he was talking about dating as a Mexican guy. Like, as a big—he's, like, a bigger-bodied Mexican guy in L.A., and mm-hmm. he's queer, and nobody believes that he's queer. And, like— it went into all these, so like everybody ends up tying consent and sex positivity and whatever into it. And it's kind of amazing the ways that it happens. Like, cause I, it's such an open, it seems like such an open platform, but like we're all there for like such a specific reason. And it's like to make survivors feel comfortable and like welcome. And is it like open mic? Like people can come that night or you have to sign up beforehand or audition? No, so I, I actually cast each show. And, um, is the May one already fully cast? Uh, I don't know, actually. It might not be. Nicoletta's <laughs> getting stroking your chin. Uh-oh. Um, so, actually, I have a, a thing that people fill out. Um, I often ask, like, I'll often go on Facebook or something and ask for POC um, performers or trans performers. Like, yeah. uh, we try to have uh, more minority performers, um, or as many as possible. And... Um, but often I will just email people that I know or or people that I know who think someone's really good. Like, they'll email me and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, you have to have this person in the show. And I'll be like, oh, cool. Um, so, and I have them fill out a thing that's basically like, what's your name? What do you do? What are your pronouns? 
how does your piece tie into consent? Um, so that kind of gives them the idea of like, hey, your piece like kind of has to tie in in some way. It doesn't have to be like a monologue about consent. Right. Uh-huh. Um, that would get old. Yeah. Quick. A burlesque dance about <laughs> negotiations. Like, no. Um, yeah. And then and then um, they explain the piece and there's like a list of rules of like what you can and can't do and all of that. And um and yeah, we're we've actually gotten to the point where like I'm casting like further and further and further out. Congrats. Um, especially for like, you know, like white cisgender women or like <laughs> like people that we have a lot of. Like I'm like, okay, y'all, we gotta like space you out. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like and I think I, it's great how intentional your your casting is, yeah, how your process to, is. Yeah, trying to make it more intersectional. And yeah, it's been really funny to like go to other people's shows now and see how not intersectional it is. Like I go and I'm just like, oh my god, there's so many like white people here, or like there's so many like dudes or what. I was at this like improv thing last night. And it was like all white dudes, yeah, like, white cisgender white just dudes. And I was just like, like, how do you not go? Like this is weird. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> But, and it's also, like, you get so many different ideas of consent, like, when you see different people sharing their stories, different types of people. Yeah. Like, you know, like, even me and Jiminika, the the other half to more than no, like, her her ideas of sex and ideas of consent and, like, and like life story and all of that are just so tremendously different from mine. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, as a person of color. Like, mm-hmm. So it's been really great, I think, for the audience and for the performers to be able to see the diversity in that. Have people flouted the rules? Like, have people not stuck to them? And how did you handle that? Um, we've never had anybody, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, not follow the because rules. Because you negotiated properly. Yeah, People are yeah. listening up. Because I'm— And sometimes when you negotiate, quote-unquote, properly, people still try to push the boundaries. For sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny about having a show about sexual assault. Hilarious. Actually, Jim and Eek and I are really funny as hosts. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I can imagine. <laughs> We're excited to go. It's really—we've got a, like, Abbott and Costello thing. is pretty great. Um, but, uh, what's really funny is, like, people are so scared of the topic that I think it scares them into obeying. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, my God, I don't want to make anyone cry. Like, yeah. I don't want to make anyone, like, have PTSD, like, mm-hmm. in the dressing room so or something. So it's almost, like, too careful yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so, like, some people are, like, super careful. I think the people that, that come up the most to the rules are the stand-up comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. like, but of course, maybe part like, of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like always. Um, like so there have been a couple of times I've like been biting my nails uh, in the audience when a stand up's been on. But I know. mean, it sounds like you know now how therapeutic these shows can be and for people to perform. But did you use like body work stuff to heal from your experiences? Yeah. So actually, um, I mean, theater has always like theater and dance have always been a huge like healing tool for me. Um, and I started, I, I was doing like modern dance and, um, and stripping and all of that. And that as a, like as a younger person before I started more than now, and it was so, it was so good for me. It was so good for my sexuality and it was so Mm. good for my mind. Like, cause what I think is, I think that stripping and sex work and porn are like the opposite of rape. Like as long as you're doing it because you want to be doing it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm obviously talking about consensual right. work. I'm not talking about. I mean, that's very different. Totally. Um, so consensual sex work. Although I'm not even going to say consensual sex work because sex if it's work, not because if it's consensual, not, if that's it's not, not sex, sex work. work. Um, sex, sex work, work of any kind to me is you pick 
you pick, you can pick the outfit, you can pick the song, you can pick the client, you can pick the scenario. Um, you have your rules. You have yeah. your rules, you have your boundaries. It's like, so for me, that especially with stripping and burlesque, because you don't always have to touch people. Like for me, it was such a great way to practice like feeling my body and like, and like feeling the curves of my body and like feeling what it was like to be comfortable and naked and comfortable mm-hmm. in my nudity and comfortable in my sexuality yeah. and then have someone be in awe of it yeah. but not be able to own it. Yeah. I like, think that's what's upsetting about the stigma around people who are in sex work or strippers. Then people have this assumption of like, oh, what happened to you? Oh my gosh. That you had to be like, in this. And it's like, okay, so what if something happened to me and now you're using this work as a way to heal? Yeah. And it's not like a negative thing of like, oh, I could only do this because I'm so fucked up. It's like, yeah. Right. Ooh, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's one of my main things. Like people like people are like, oh, do you do you do this because you were molested? Ha ha ha. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. But it's like, been a you know what feels great is like being an adult and like like holding my breasts covered in glitter and being like fuck yeah like you can't touch them yeah I like <laughs> that that's this like is, my favorite I'm so happy that you're here right now talking to us because we've definitely had uh, listeners and fans reach out to us to have us talk more about like how do you reclaim like really loving the conversations that we're having about sexuality but saying like I'm a survivor not even necessarily using the language of survivor but yeah. saying like me. this happened to me how do I get back in my sexuality after sexual trauma especially within relationships yeah um, and and it, it sounds like there's a, it, there's a lot of different ways to go about it but it is really about like getting back into you owning your sexuality and it being for yourself. Being for yourself. And I, I think- mean, because if somebody took away the rights to your body, yeah, that's why body work is so needed. Like, I get frustrated as a therapist sometimes because sometimes talking only can only go so far because yeah. it's healing in your head. And so if you don't get within the body and find ways to, like, reclaim your sexuality and yourself and your body in that way, sometimes it's not enough. Yeah, and I think, like— I kind of think that's why this, like, as as problematic as it totally is, the, like, surgeon, like, pole dance classes and, like, that, like, erotic classes for, like, Midwestern moms and stuff. Like, <laughs> I wonder how many of those Midwestern moms— actually, I don't have to wonder. It's, like, what, one, one in three? Four? One yeah, four. one in three. Um, you know, how many of them have never really had the opportunity to really reclaim their sexuality? So as problematic yeah. as they can be sometimes about sex workers— I can also see like why movement like that is is really like booming everywhere because especially like women especially I think are 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 just trying to reclaim like everything that we've fucking lost in regards to our bodies. Yeah. And I think that might also explain. I know obviously Fifty Shades of Grey is unfortunately, sadly, partially responsible for an upswing in BDSM practice. But I really do think that. Um, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, like being a feminist, but also really being interested in being a, in a being a submissive. I think that also can tie into like you are deciding what somebody is getting to own. Yeah, like yeah. you ultimately hold the power. You are saying, "I am giving this to you," and you can take it back at any moment. Yeah, yeah. I think all of all of those things have been having like such a surge in popularity right now, and like when they're done correctly, it's like amazing. But I think it's. I think as far as stripping and, like, burlesque goes, like, I, like, it's so, like, doing, like, stripping on a stage is, like, the exact opposite feeling of me, for me, of, like, being sexually assaulted. 
Like wow. I'm choosing where you see me. I'm choosing how you see me. I'm choosing what I'm wearing. And there's I'm glitter. I'm choosing when it's happening and there's glitter. <laughs> like it's the exact opposite to me of, of. Not that sexual assault is fun if there's glitter. Yeah, but. no, no. But um, come on, we're laughing about this. No, <laughs> it's true. You should see the you should see the jokes Jiminy and I make. But what's really funny is I can't wait. Is survivors always laugh at our jokes because we like joke about like being a survivor because well, at least someone's fucking talking about it yeah and that's what jim and i always talk about is like it's like so many people try to talk about sexual assault and they always end up just talking like this and, and it's like oh. and like oh no this has right. happened to you and it's like okay first off it's happened to so many of us that if we all go around with like like veils on like yeah. crying we're just gonna like the whole world is just gonna be real you know real depressing so how about we talk about this and not be scared of talking about it? I, I agree with you completely. I think it's so important to talk about. I think there's, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to equate these two things, but I think there's there are two things that uh, impact so many women. And one is sexual assault, which is one in four. And one is abortion, which is one in three. And both of these things like carry such a heavy weight and people are really uncomfortable to make jokes about them. But I think it's so important to talk about both of those things yeah. um, in, in a context of like joviality and humor. So you're talking about how like, like I have done stand-up in the past and whenever, like when I do stand-up, like it's about abortion. Like I have a type yeah. five on abortion. I'm like, having this amazing view of you doing more than no cabaret consensual with an abortion. Ah! Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but so I think that's a really important point to at home that, yeah, we need to fucking talk about this stuff, but we don't need to talk about this stuff like this. Yeah, we and we don't have to talk about it clinically all the time. Like sometimes we can talk about it clinically. There is a place for that. But sometimes like... You just need to, like, hang out with people to get it, you know? Like, right. it's just—and I feel like Cabaret Consensual is a place where, like, like people who are not survivors almost feel like they're kind of on eggshells. Not, not like, in a bad way, but it's because it's, it's our space. It's not their space. Yeah. And they're there to support us, and it's amazing that they do. But it's really, it's really great to have a space where survivors <sighs> feel comfortable. How wonderful that you've created a space— that survivors are like, oh, I'm sorry, this is our space yeah. that is also welcoming to allies. Like that, like honestly, if I had a hat on, I would take it off <laughs> in a very sexy way with a fan in the other hand. And yeah. glitter. And glitter. Yeah, it's but like, I that's didn't incredible. Even, what's really funny is like, I created the space and I didn't even know how much I needed it until it was created. So what did it yeah. do for you and your healing? Um, For me, I think... I think it's, there is, like, once you get to a point of, like, I had gotten to a point where I was like, okay, like, I've confronted these real yucky demons, like, I've started this thing that's helping other people, um, and I started to get the benefits of being on the other side of, like, of the turmoil and the struggle and being able to, like, look at someone who was in the turmoil and the struggle and being like, hey, like, you're going to be okay. Like, mm. you're like you're going to get to this place and you're going to be able to stand on the stage and read a poem. Or like, or you're going to be able to sit in the audience without crying. Like, and just feel like a part of this community. And like, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But you're going to be able to do it. And like, I think have like feeling that power within myself has been a whole other step in like a healing process for So me. to go by the rules of your cabaret of um, like ending with lightness, I want to ask, what does the other side look like for you? Like, um, what has the thriving life and feeling like you, this is still maybe something that happened in your life, but it doesn't fully define you, and now you can do other things. What does that look like? I'm. Oh, oh that's a hard question. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we do that here. I know, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I think when I, 
you know, to to be dark again. <laughs> um, uh, I used to be, a, a, like, I used to abuse drugs. I used to use sex as a way to cope mm-hmm. um, uh, in a very unhealthy way. Um, I used to just kind of abuse my own body and, and abuse— uh, just abuse every I abused everything about myself because I was I was turning my hate for the people that hurt me in on myself because yeah. I didn't really know what else to do. And I've noticed too for clients that do that, that like if somebody is telling you that your body is not important, yeah, and you believe that, then you start treating your body as not important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I sometimes definitely. basic needs go like not brushing your teeth or yep. not taking care of your hygiene or, or whatever. Doing meth. Yeah, right we're here. doing math. <laughs> which was my uh, which wow. was my thing. Yeah. yeah, so I went real deep down down a rabbit hole of like drugs and and abusing myself. And then like once I, I know the cops. Right as you said meth, there's a siren. Oh really? Oh my god, that's funny. Um, it's once totally I, okay. It's totally okay. Okay. Um, well, I was like, oh no, the cops. <laughs> um, once I just said it. You don't have to worry um, anymore. I don't have to worry. That's so <laughs> nice. You've gone. You're thriving. Yes. I am thriving. Um, but uh, but once I realized that I was like mad at those people that hurt mm. me, I could like let go of hurting myself because I couldn't hurt them. I was mad at them actually. Mm-hmm. And now I'm still mad at them, but I'm not I, them. I don't yeah, I don't like hold on to that anger as much and my way of like kind of getting back at them is like helping people who are surviving, yeah. people that like people who lived through stuff that like how they put me through. I would like to um paint a realistic picture of kind of what your uh, journey of healing has looked like. Because for, for our survivors listening, like, Bitsy's obviously in a very amazing place and still doing work on on that process. But I'm just curious in terms of time, how, how long has it taken you to get here? And do not fret if you're not there. <laughs> yeah, but- definitely don't fret, especially if you're um, under 18 and still with parents. Um I think, you know, for me, I've had really great years. I've had years where I've fallen back, too. Um, so I think to think of it as just going up and not, it's like, not, linear. not taking two steps yeah, back every like once a, in a while. Yeah, it's more like a hilled incline. Yeah, exactly. Bumps. Like, I've definitely—I think about it as, as if I'm almost— um, you know, in AA or NA or something, like I'm, I'm like doing well. I'm taking care of myself. I'm dating someone healthy, and then we break up, and then I'm not taking care of myself, and then I start hating my body and blaming myself, and da da da. And like the way a survivor of sexual assault blames themselves is very much more intense than a normal person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're we're taught to hate ourselves in a very specific way. We're mm-hmm. taught to hate our body and our sexuality just so much. So um, I've definitely had those years where I go back. So I think the main thing to remember is is like if you do slip and start, you know, start not liking yourself, start not liking your bio, your body, start like, you know, going back in general, like that there's always the step to still go forward, like like and to still keep progressing. And I'd say like And that it's not necessarily all on you, that yeah. there are resources and Yeah, it's, and there's you, tons of resources. Not only is it okay to ask for help, but you probably should. Yeah, yeah. And also to remember that um some of the trauma that you can go through um has like permanent effects on the way you're gonna think about your life and the way you're gonna think about your body and mind. Mm. And that getting help with that is just so important. Like right. therapists have been like the best, or even just like even just like friends. If you if you can't go to a therapist, like 
just friends that really love you and really support you and think you're beautiful and incredible. Like, even if they're on the internet, friends, that's great too. Like, find those people and, like, let them lift you up as much as they can. Mm. Like, I think that's the that's the biggest part of my healing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. How do you think— um, I'm curious about, because we've had questions about this from from listeners, and how do you think that both um, your sexual assault and your healing from sexual assault, both in doing, like, sexy things, but also just, like, your own process of healing, uh, has an effect on your relationships, romantic or sexual relationships? I and think, how do you navigate that? Uh, my assaults have uh, made relationships quite difficult, I think, because uh, mine have been particularly in relationships, so it also depends on the type of assault you go through, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so mine were in uh, in intimate, like, boyfriend relationships. Mm-hmm. So now dating for me, uh, dating a it's cisgender like a man is kind of a trigger in itself. It's been easier. I'm, uh, I'm queer, so I date women and trans people. And, um, but when I date cisgender men, it's been particularly... Uh, difficult for me to navigate that, and I think anyone that has any specific type of assault, like they, there might be things that are, um, like you know, if if you're assaulted by a woman, that might change something. Like if you're assaulted mm-hmm. by a best friend, that might change how you handle it. Um, so for me, it's been it's been quite difficult when dating cisgender men. Um, so how do you how do you approach it then? Do you just kind of shy away? Not shy away. Choose not to d- date cisgender men. You're like, I don't want to. Do that I, right now? I have, or? No, I do date cisgender men. Um, I can only date the most open, most understanding, most sex positive ones, partially because of my lifestyle. Yeah. But also, who, why wouldn't you want to date but someone? But also, like, like, why that? wouldn't you? Why would you date someone not that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're right. sometimes harder to find. But yeah, they're definitely hard to find if you're in, you know, like a different, if you're not in California or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so, and for me, it's just been being open about, um, like, I don't usually tell my partners about specifics about my assault, but mm-hmm. I'll say, like, hey, like, this position's very triggering for me, and I don't I do not do that. Um, or, like, hey, like, this happened at these years in my life, and, like, that's just something you should know. And I also, I have a really hard time trusting because of the assaults. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I make a point that my partners know that, like, trust for me is going to seem really intense. Like, I'm going to seem like I never trust you, and please let me tell you why. Because it's not just because I, you know, am, like, trying to be rude or something. Like, it's it comes from a very specific place. And I think without—I mean, this is sort of a tangent, but when you were saying that maybe you stray away from certain kinds of cis men— I think it's difficult to say in any way that quote unquote sexuality is a choice for lots of people. They yeah. don't like to hear that. And at the same time, I think it's important to legitimize that no matter how you got to the sexuality, that whether you were born that way or whether you did make a choice based on sexual abuse, like it's valid. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I have a couple of survivor friends who like specifically, even if they're very attracted to a type of person, they know that like they're like, you know what? That's going to be a little, like, hard for me to navigate just even one date with them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, allow yourself to, like, not be okay. Like, like I feel like we're always trying to heal and to whatever and to, like, you know, thrive. And, like, yes, that's great, too. But, like, there are some things that, like, you know what? You don't got to do. Yeah. Like, it's not your <laughs> responsibility to, like— face your yeah, demons you don't have all, to the face all the time. Yeah, and, like, those are some big, big-ass demons. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, don't face those always. Like, that's too tiring. Yeah, like, sometimes avoidance just, is okay. Yeah, yeah some, and I would sometimes. even argue that, like, 
even being able to take a step back and have that thought and be like, hmm, I don't really want to navigate that. That is hugely important. And that is yeah. taking such ownership. Yeah. And, and is probably do, doing wonders for the healing process. That's, oh, God, yeah. I have to, it's exactly, and I think any, like, clinician who's listening, I'm not saying you should, like, do therapy the way I do, because what's great is there's so many people doing but therapy like, do, in different ways. But Nicoletta ways. does it really but well. She's real bad. I'm sure some people would say no, because everyone has a type. But, I mean, when someone comes in and they do divulge that they've had some sort of sexual assault, I, like, make it very clear then that I'm like, I'm not going to bring this up. So if and when you want to discuss this or you'd like to bring it up, hmm. I'm going to let you yeah. time it how you want to. Yeah. Because it can be uh, like triggering and I think it can be re-traumatizing to be like, oh, you need to face this demon right now and this is how we're going to do it. Because that's yeah. what somebody wow. did when they assaulted somebody and said, you don't have ownership yeah. over what we do. Yeah. And so to give people ownership of the timing and how and when that comes up to me, feels like a corrective experience. And I think to circle back to the cabaret, that's exactly why I don't say, your piece has to be about consent or your piece has to be about this and that. Like, I think what's beautiful is I've seen people come to the cabaret and do something very light and then they'll come back another time and they'll do something really intense and then they'll email me three months later and they'll be like, I started going to therapy hmm. and like I was assaulted when I was so, like this this age and like I never went to therapy and like I finally feel comfortable and like da-da-da. And I'm, it's like letting, like I feel like the show is kind of a spark to like get people to think about it, but we're not telling you you got to go. Like we're not we're not throwing you into an inpatient thing. Right. We're just like, hey, like wow. maybe you could think about it. Like you are point. also changing the world, which is incredible. Oh, shut. I have a question about what you were just saying as a non-therapist um, and you're saying I'm never going to bring this up it's on you is there a chance and I guess you, as someone who like kind of I guess never helps, is a strong word or helps but. people heal from their sexual assault is there a chance in your opinion that then they'll never bring it up and maybe like how yeah I don't know I, as someone who really who, who's neither a survivor nor a therapist yeah um, that I know of it's possible that I I have not realized yet, <laughs> which I'm open to. Um, um, like, if somebody, obviously, it's not my right or responsibility to like make sure that someone heals from their sexual assault. But what can, like, what can I as an ally do to encourage people who I either think or know are survivors to get? help or is it not on I think there's a, I think there's a difference at least for me there's a difference between um guiding that in a way that I'm in charge versus expressing like I know that you said that this happened and I'm hearing that it's affecting your life and I'm feeling concerned for you mm. do you want some support around that is that mm. something you want to explore so maybe I, I mean I guess saying never bring it up is a strong word because if it is something they like initiate and then we can talk about it but it's not like okay so today I think we should really delve into like yeah how so and so molested you yeah. like that's not how it would yeah. go yeah but saying like I, I'm concerned about you I know there's these resources do you want those yeah and that's kind of what the cabaret is I think too is is kind of like here we are we're survivors we're saying survivors we're saying we're survivors and like we're standing on a stage sparkly and okay and, like, if you want resources, we have them. Mm. And, like, let it, like, here's our email. Let us know. Um, and I think that's that's been a good way to go about it. It's also very different from therapy. It's, like, because some people are really scared of therapy. Yeah. And you can't, you know, there's there's not much you can do when someone um, 
is afraid to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been it's been interesting to to be able to reach people who have never thought of therapy or have always been scared of therapy or any like real mode of healing <laughs> um, like that. But then it's great to have other outlets. Yeah, like yeah, cabaret consensual or like groups or online forums. Or, yeah, exactly. Or books. Yeah, there's lots there's lots of ways that like that people can heal that I think um, that I think are totally valid. Well, we are so grateful for all the yeah. healing that you're doing and that you exist. So for people that want to apply, attend, follow what you're doing, how can they find you and More Than No? So uh, we have a website. It's morethanno.org, and it's no.org. Um, we're on Facebook at More Than No and Twitter at More Than No and Instagram at More Than No. Um, our Instagram is a really lovely uh, place, our um our director of development, Katie Johnson, she runs our Instagram and it's basically a beautiful like post after post of just like like political stuff, like awesome intersectional political stuff and like positivity and greatness. Um, oh, definitely right follow now. that. Um, and yeah, check out the website. Um, if about you, you? If people want to find Simone's you. following it right now. <laughs> I know, right now. Um, I'm at Bitsy LeBourbon on Instagram. Uh, and if you want to come to a show, we're uh, every month at Three Clubs in Hollywood. Um, our next show is going to be May 12th. It's our third uh, our third birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. And we're going to get some really amazing performers. I believe uh, we have Betty Bondage, actually. Oh, oh we love yeah. her. Yeah, she's, um, she's going to do uh, the birthday show. Um, we might get a spanking in there if we yes. can. Yes. If you um, need volunteers, we love, we, we love consensual spankings at uh, Cabaret Consensual. Uh, so, yeah. So, come out. Um, it's in Hollywood. And uh, have a drink. And, or two. And, or two. Or don't. Or have soda. That's cool, too. Yep. Um, and we, oh, we also, I forgot to tell you, we also have, um, a documentary about the, sh- about me and about the show, uh, called Will Strip for Change. Whoa. Um, cool. yeah. Where? <laughs> um, it's on our website. Um, so if you go, uh, it was made by Travis Mock. He followed me around for like a couple months last year and made this like beautiful documentary that kind of shows like what the show is like and gives a better depiction than I can talking about it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Awesome. We'll include a link in, in the, in the notes. Well, thank you. Bitsy for joining us. Thank you, Nicoletta, for joining me. Um, <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. I like that. Um, <laughs> if any of y'all want to hear more about what we're doing, you can always follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. We love your emails. Obviously, we talked about emails that we got from other listeners today. So if you want to send us some that we'll talk about, slutsandscholars at gmail.com. And if you do want resources around the topic today, please reach out and we would be happy to send you in the right direction. For sure. As always, no means no, but a lot of other things do too. Yeah, I like those. <laughs>